So our scripture today is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you. My name is David, the pastor here. I love how when we're announcing Father's Day, there's the one father back there. Woo! <laughs> you get all excited. I, presumably that was a father uh, or it was sympathy cheer. Um, yeah, it should be fun. I, this is the first time I heard about Bonchon, so I'm excited. Um, be ready for that. If you don't know what Bonchon is, come next week. You'll, you'll be excited. Um, today, we are continuing our series that we launched last week, a series that we are calling Wisdom for Life, as we go through the book of Proverbs this summer. Uh, here's the thought I want us to consider today as we, as we, as we jump in. Um, wisdom is not something any of us drift into, okay? Wisdom is not something we, we drift into. Uh, have you ever gone through an experience, maybe something you've done over and over again, and uh, after you've done it a few times, you still haven't, after any number of times, actually learned anything from it? Um, you haven't actually like, grown like, wise because of those experiences? Um, I had that experience in dating. Um, there was this time when, uh, when Cindy and I were dating really early on. Uh, she likes to tease me about this to this day, that she was so confused. She had no idea what was going on in our relationship. She's like, are, you, are we dating? Like, what, what's our relationship status? And if you had asked me at the time, I'd be, I don't know. i like, yeah, no, sort of. I don't know. Um, I had to learn really the hard way, and sadly not just with, with Cindy, um, but, uh, but learning how to say, you know what, this is where I'm at, this is how I'm feeling, just to like, kind of express feelings and, and intentions and all that sort of thing, which would have been so helpful uh, to Cindy, <laughs> to say the least. Um, to this day, we still can't agree on where our first date was. Um, we went, uh, I took her to play tennis, uh, and afterwards I, I ponied up and I bought her a Slurpee. Um, I said, you can choose any flavor you like. <laughs> as long as it's a small. Um, <laughs> and then a couple months later, we went to Thai food. I, I, I got her Thai food, and afterwards, I had her buy the Jamba Juice that we went to, because if you haven't picked up on the theme here, I was very poor at the time. Uh, but we don't know. Was it the, the tennis thing? Was it, was it the, the Thai food? Um, we still kind of joke around. We don't really know when that first date was. Um, actually, there was this one time, whenever we're telling our story, Cindy loves to point out that, uh, and this was a, a couple months after that tennis dating, not dating time. Um, when she came to church, the church we were attending um, at the time, I was off on an internship in Cambridge, England um, for, for a little bit, and I'd been gone for about a month, and there was a prayer gathering before the church, and everybody was kind of gathering around, often, like, like we'll do before the service uh, for the volunteers and whoever's here uh, uh, wanting to pray. And so everybody's getting together. It was my friends. I worked at the church, so I had buddies on the staff. Uh, my dad was the pastor of the church, so people you know, knew me really well. And I'd been off in England for about a week, and they were asking, hey, no one's heard from David. Anybody heard from David? Uh, how's he doing? Anybody know? Uh, nobody knew uh, what I was up to except for Cindy. Uh, Cindy's like, man, this guy's been G-chatting me all the time. I could tell you what he ate last night for dinner. Um, she didn't say any of that. She was thinking it because she's like, okay, I guess this is more than a friendship. I guess we are serious here. Um, it took me a while 
but I finally learned, you know, I didn't have to go through the big prolonged thing, but I could just say something as simple as, hey, you know, I really enjoy hanging out with you. You know, I, I don't know where things are at for me, but I'd love to see where things go, maybe go. Could we just see how it goes? Uh, that would have been it, and, and things would have been a lot easier for her. Um, it took me a long time to get there. Um, and out of that, I had the life lesson of like, hey, sharing where things are at, expectations, not just in, in dating or, or in relationships, but in the workplace, uh, goes a long way. That's something that I had to learn. And I had to learn uh, through, through going through it um, many times and finally getting it. Uh, I wonder if there is anything that you've gone through life or even a few things that, man, it took you a number of times, but you finally got it. Uh, we don't just drift into wisdom. I even shudder to think about all the things that we go through uh, maybe we're going through right now, and we don't even realize we need to be learning from it. Uh, we don't just drift into wisdom. Uh, our, experience don't, our experiences don't necessarily translate into wisdom. Or to use the language we've been using uh, to frame our series this summer is, wise people aren't born, they're made. So the question is then, okay, how? Uh, last week as we launched the series, we looked at the Pro- uh, Proverbs chapter 1 where King Solomon, one of the wisest people to ever live, uh, showed us why we need wisdom. Today here in chapter 3, these first six verses, we're going to see how we become wise. So before we jump in, let me, let me pray and then, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Father, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your wisdom that's here in front of us. Uh, Lord, would you help it sink into our minds? Would you help it sink into our hearts? And would you give me your spirit as I seek to teach these things? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do we become wise? Uh, verses 1 and 2 say, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Okay, first off, I want to uh, ans- uh, take a moment to answer one of the questions that often arise when reading the book of Proverbs. And that is, it says here, you do this, and it will prolong your years, and it will bring peace and prosperity. But wait a minute, some might say. I've known people who were very wise, made very wise decisions, but it didn't prolong their years. Or I know people who have made very wise decisions, but they haven't really experienced that much peace or prosperity. What about that? Well, a key to understanding Proverbs is that much of Proverbs, uh, as we read it, are principles and not necessarily promises. Okay, they, they act as guidelines, general truths, as opposed to necessarily absolute truths. They are generally true in this life, but only ultimately true in the next life. So if it says that, you know, to, to speak truthfully so that people will trust you, uh, that's not to say that if you never, ever tell a lie, that there won't be the odd person out who doesn't trust you anyway. Um, it, it's a principle that says to the extent that you speak truthfully, people will uh, trust you. Um, I have heard it uh, described like a map that, like, take, take, like if, we had a, if we had a map of the Silicon Valley of all the paths and routes um, helping us know where to go, um, we have this map, but, but, it's, but in this case, there's been this big earthquake that's distorted the paths, that's distorted the routes. Um, does that mean then that this map is no longer valuable, that it's useless? No. Um, it's still incredibly helpful, but th- these uh, proverbs act as guidelines for for navigating this life, even as ultimately they will be true in the next. Uh, okay, so how do, how do we become wise? What, what is Solomon showing us here? Uh, number one, he shows us that we need to surround ourselves with wise people. Okay, you see that here in the very first part of this first verse. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching. 
Here, of course, is a parent speaking to his child, wanting to infuse his wisdom into them. And over and over again, you'll see this throughout the book of Proverbs, where he says things like, listen to my words, listen to my teachings, let me show you the way, let me show you what to watch out for. Um, What does this tell us? It tells us that we will not find wisdom on our own. Uh, We need to surround ourselves with community. Uh, If you want information, you can go on Google, you can join a class, but if you want wisdom, you need to surround yourself with wise people. Listen to how he puts it a few chapters later, chapter 13, verse 20. He writes, walk with the wise and become wise, for a uh, a companion of fools suffers harm. Uh, A a good buddy of mine, mentor of mine, uh, talks about how life can be described like a series of tables. Okay, forget the chocolates. Life's like, life's like, chocolate. It's like a series of tables. Okay, you're sitting around tables. He said, we, have, we all have these tables that we're sitting around, uh, sitting around in different aspects of our life. So we have the family table. Maybe it's our immediate family that we sit around and the folks who sit around with us. We have our work table. Uh, people, maybe it's on our specific team who are sitting around that table. Uh, we have our neighbor's table. Unless we're one of those tech titans who's buying up all the multi-million dollar houses around us. You have a uh, table with your neighbors around it. You have a table of hopefully people that you're influencing, pouring into, people that you're, you're investing in. But one table he'll talk about that is just about, if not more important than all the others, but one we tend to not really think about too much, is your wisdom table. And he likens it to this idea of how we all know that companies, even churches, will have a board of directors, you know, people who sit on the board to help keep the organization accountable, to help that organization stay true to its mission and values, to help that organization seize opportunities and all the rest of it. Uh, Well, we all have, or at least ought to have, uh, a board of personal directors, people sitting at our, our wisdom table, people that we can learn from understand from and and go to in times when we need uh, understanding and insight. Uh, For the person that was receiving this uh, book, this son of Solomon, he had a great dad. He had a dad filled with wisdom, one of the wisest people to ever walk this earth. Some of you, you're blessed with some amazing parents that you can gain wisdom from. Uh, Some of you, you don't have that wisdom built into your family. Whatever the case, though, we need to surround ourselves with wise people. So let me ask you, who sits at your, at your wisdom table? Like, who sits there? I mean, it might even be a worthwhile exercise to do later to write down the people that you go to for input, for advice, for insight in the different areas of your life. Who are those people? And then ask yourself, after you have a list, should all those people be sitting there? Because that's a whole other sermon. We can often put people on there who might not ought to be on there. Um, and, and who could we maybe ask to be on there if they're not on there? Uh, by the way, that's one of the great things about attending a church like Current is you're surrounding yourselves, hopefully, with people who could potentially become a part of that wisdom table. Uh, one of the reasons why we push current groups, for instance, or serving on a team, for instance, is so that you could be surrounded by people who could potentially be on your wisdom table. That's not to say that if you serve or that you go into a current group, it'll automatically happen. No, you have to intentionally form the relationships. But it broadens the pools of people that can pour into us and help us in life. How do we become wise? Number one, Solomon shows us that we need to surround ourselves with wise people. Number two, he shows us in the same verse, we need to remind ourselves of wise words. Uh, Solomon said to his son, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Um, What Bible scholars will point out is that this word here, commands, is not Solomon saying, hey, son, listen to our house rules. 
you know, listen to our family wisdom, our family commands that we've just put together that you just need to adhere to. Uh, what we know from this culture is that all of the Hebrew parents back then were really infusing the commands of God. Uh, what, what Solomon is talking about here is God's commands, God's word in, uh, in this, this little guy that he needs to take in and, and understand. And so we need to go to God's word. Uh, that, this might sound like a pretty straightforward point to be making in church, but we need to go to God's word. Uh, for the sake of remembering. Have you ever thought of it that way? That you need to be remember, re- reminded of God's truth? Uh, for many of you here, uh, you're new to the faith or you're just looking into the faith. And so it's not so much remembering, it's learning the faith for the first time. And that really excites us here at Current because that's very central to our vision here. Uh, we say every week, as Chris said today, we are a community following Jesus together and you're welcome wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. So if that's you, and you're learning it the first time, that's great. We need that. But for those of you who are here who have been in the faith for any number of years or whatever it might be, you need to be reminded of these wise words. You need to be reminded of God's words. Listen to how Peter wrote to the early church. Listen to how many times he emphasized this thought that we need to be reminded. He said, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that, my, that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. <clears throat> Excuse me. We need to remind ourselves. We need to let it sink in. You know, uh, in marketing, they talk about the rule of seven. Have you guys heard of this? that we need to come across something, say a product or an ad, seven times before it finally starts to sink in. Taco Bell has this effect on me. I've seen Taco Bell hundreds of times. Now when Taco Bell shows up, even if it's another deal, I'm going and get my bean burrito, okay? It's like we need to see things. We need to, things need to hit our system any number of times. Actually, some people call it not just the rule of seven, but the rule of seven times seven. We need to just constantly saturate ourselves in the things that matter, not just Taco Bell. We need God's word just to kind of just be pressed into us. Uh, right now, uh, with, with his grandfather and, and his dad, uh, my, my uh, son, and, and, and we are going through a catechism, which if you haven't heard of a catechism before, it's just uh, like doctrinal statements to help Scripture just kind of be imparted in a real concise statement for a child or adult to learn. Uh, so uh, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so I'll talk about that with Caleb. We'll think about that. We'll, we'll see how that comes from the scriptures. What's chief end mean? Oh, I don't know, Dad. Well, it means, it means the main thing. Like, what's the main thing in life? What does it mean to glorify God and to enjoy him forever? Well, glorify, does that mean worship? Yeah, and enjoy him. What does that mean? Just to delight in it? Yeah, and we just we talk about it. And here's what's happening, not just for my son, but for me as I do this is those truths, the beauty of God's word, is just sinking further into my heart. And I'm going around, and I'm meditating on these things, and it's becoming more of who I am just by remembering. How can we remember God's word? Uh, for those of you who are new in the faith, or actually you've been at the faith for a long time, it is developing habits and disciplines to be in God's word on a regular basis. You know, we try to do this weekly, corporately, in the small groups. We try to do this corporately, of course, right here and now. But you can also do it daily. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. How can you get into God's Word? 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day with prayer. 
what I'll do is I'll pick out a chapter of the book, uh, out of the Bible as I'm going through a book, and I'll just read that chapter, and I'll ask two questions. What did I learn from, about God in this chapter of the Bible, and what does he call me into action about? What, what, how does he call me to live my life because of this? And I'll just pray about that. Either if it's at the beginning of the day, I'll have that in front of me the rest of the day. Or if it's at the end of the day, I'll reflect on the day and pray that through. Um, getting into God's word, helping it remind us. But we have to develop the habits and the discipline in order to become wise. Okay, so we have to, remi- we have to remind ourselves of wise words. Number three, Solomon shows us that we need to commit ourselves to wise practices. Look at verses three and four. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Uh, What's Solomon saying here? He's saying that to become wise, we have to commit ourselves to these wise practices. It's not enough just to know wisdom, or for that matter, just to remind ourselves of wisdom. We have to live it out. He's saying, let love and faithfulness never leave you. If you've ever been to a wedding, Chances are you've heard 1 Corinthians 13, the most famous chapter on love in the Bible. It's at every other wedding, at least. But listen to how Paul says this very thought there. He says, if I can fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge but do not have love, I am nothing. Solomon is saying here in our text, bind this wisdom around your neck. Adorn it around your neck. What do we bind? What do we adorn around our necks? Those are things that people will see. He's saying our faith needs to be lived out. People need to see it. We need to go public with our faith. faith. And in doing so, uh, we will gain favor, he says. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. And man, that word favor, by the way, in Hebrew just means that people look at you and your life and say, wow, that's good. And what Solomon is saying is even God will say, I like what I see. We will gain favor and even a good name. But those things don't just happen at the snap of the fingers. Those happen as we commit ourselves to the practices of love and faithfulness, to living out these wise words over time. I think a lot of us, especially in our culture, we want that event. We want that magic bullet that says, David, I'm all about magic. Uh, Excuse me. I'm all about wisdom. Give me the download and I'll be good. But of course, it doesn't work that way. Uh, do we develop a, a good name uh, just, just like that? No, it's over the long haul uh, that we develop wisdom. Um, I gave the example earlier on of, of how, you know, it could say speak truthfully and, and, and people will, will trust you. Uh, that is something that's pretty straightforward. That might not sound like a profound thought, but try living that out day in and day, day out. If you live, uh, if, you, if you aim to speak truthfully all the time, there will come a point when that actually becomes a little bit of a challenge it'll be a little bit uncomfortable for you. You could maybe get away with talking about a business transaction or doing this or that in the workplace, and nobody would know, maybe. And then will you speak truthfully? I will just say this. It seems to me that it's almost especially in those times where it's a little bit uncomfortable, it's a little bit hard, that we actually choose to step in and say, speak truthfully, or we live out the wisdom that God gives us, that we especially gain favor, and we especially gain a good name. Uh, it might be a little awkward, but then someone will say later on, like, do you remember when so-and-so, you know, it was, it was, nobody would have probably even known had they gone ahead and lied about it, but they spoke truthfully. That's how we develop favor and a good name when we put wisdom into practice. Uh, so the question then is, how are you letting love and faithfulness 
never leave you? How are you putting it into practice? And the thought that I've been thinking about this week is, even when that's uncomfortable, because I think for a lot of us, I mean, many of you I know here at Current, you guys are awesome people. You're very loving people, faithfully loving people. It's really easy to love people who are like you and like me. But what about the people who aren't? What about, say, for instance, the person in your workplace is just really grating at you or that boss is just not treating you all that well? Now, hear me. I'm not saying, you know, be a floor mat, just, just be rolled over here. But we're called to love. We're called to care for, empathize and care. And it's in those moments that we're actually really, truly living out this wisdom. And it's becoming more of who we are. Because that's what, that's what Solomon is stressing here is wisdom isn't just knowledge. It's something that has to become part of our nature. And it's not just something that just happens, but it's a lifelong commitment. Fourth and last thought. How we become wise is we surrender ourselves to the wise God. Uh, this is verses uh, 5 and 6, verses that are probably maybe even the most famous in the book of Proverbs. One of the most famous verse or verses uh, in the entire Bible, actually, I wonder if you have it on a mug or hanging on your, your house, um, but a verse that we can easily miss what's really going on here, how, how deep it runs. Here, here Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Solomon is saying we have to surrender uh, to the wise God. He's saying submitting all our ways to him, trusting him with all our hearts. That word trusting uh, literally means to lie down with your face flat and your arms open wide. It's to put all your weight onto something. It's to put all your eggs into this one basket. It's sur- surrendering completely to God. So how do we do this? Well, this, these verses give us a couple, a couple thoughts here. Number one, it means making God the center of our life. It has to be. That's, that is putting God's desires front and center in our decision making. So I'm, I'm making decisions all the time. And a lot of the decisions, the vast majority of the decisions I'm making are decisions uh, based on me being a dad or a husband, like how I spend my time, how I spend money, I'm constantly thinking about it from, from that lens. How much more ought I, how, how ought we be thinking about the lens of putting God front and center of our lives and asking Him what we should do with our decisions, asking Him what He desires and how can I follow you this day? Um, it means, surrendering to God means making Him center of our lives. It also means placing Him in charge of our life. Because notice Solomon is saying, and lean not on your own understanding. Uh, that's not to say that you aren't to make your own decisions or you're not to have responsibility for your own decisions. But that's to say, if you're leaning on your own understanding, that's running opposite to trusting God as the center of your life. Uh, to lean on your own understanding is to believe that you make the rules. It's to say that you think you are the owner and not the steward of all that, that you have. It's to say that you think you don't need any correction. But here's a little test for whether we're leaning on our own understanding or trusting God. Do you let God's word overrule you? When there's a disagreement between you and the Bible, who wins? Um, Because I think we can say, oh yeah, I love the Bible. I follow all its wisdom. We come across something where it's like, oh no, it's calling out something that we do is sin. And we're like, well, I don't know about that. And then what do we do? What do I do? I start to justify, well, maybe it doesn't mean that. Or maybe, maybe it was different back then. Or maybe we say, you know what? 
Maybe it is saying that, but I'm just going to go ahead and decide I'm going to do that. Just in this one area of my life. But that's not leaning on him. That's not trusting him. That's leaning on our own understanding. Here's another test. Does your life look different than the rest of cultures? Is there any way in which your life, if you are a follower of Jesus, that is, is there any way in which your life looks different, surprises the rest of culture with the way you live, the way you make choices about sex, with the way you spend your money, with the way you spend your time, with the way you serve others and whom, whom you serve and how you serve them? Because if it doesn't, we might be living for the same reward as the culture's. But surrendering to God means leaning not on our own understanding. Um, we need to put him in the center of our lives. We need to make him in charge of our life. And we need to allow him into every part of our life. Uh, that's why uh, you'll notice it's, it's, uh, he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, submit to him. That's trust without reservation. Uh, there's this little book that captures so much of the thought just in its title. It's called My Heart Christ's home, and the author talks about how, uh, you know, just like we have rooms in our houses that we don't just let anybody into, like, so say it's like, you know, your spouse or your, you know, uh, you know, someone real close to you in your family, like, they'll, they'll have all access to your, to, your, to your every room in the house, but with guests, you don't just let them into any room of your house, right? I mean, could you imagine, like, you're all hanging out in the living room, and you get up to, like, go put something away in your room, and there's a guest, like, hanging out in your closet, you're like... <laughs> it's like, it's like, but we do that with God, don't we? In the rooms of our heart, we say, God, hey, it's cool for you to be here in the living room. Hang out in the living room, but, but don't go over here in this room or in this area of the house. Um, no, God, don't go there. This is really hard. This is, this is a real struggle. I'll be the first to admit that it is. But here's the wonderful thing here is ultimately this is good news. This is wonderful news. Because here's how this verse ends. It doesn't say, submit to God and everything, lean not on your own understanding, and God will ruin your life. Because I think that's what a lot of us believe. When it comes down to it, like, hey, this little area of my life, I'm not going to trust that to you because you're going to ruin things if I trust you with that. You know what I mean? Maybe that's just me. We, 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 we think that God's going to rule, but that's not how the verse ends. Look how it says, trust in him with all your heart and all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Uh, that's good news. God only wants to come into your life to bring healing and life, restoration. He wants to come in and put things in order, make things brand new in every area. So the question is, thinking about in every area of your life, do, do you want guidance in the area of relationships? Trust him. Do you want guidance in the area of money? Trust him. Do you want guidance in your work? You can trust him. Um, well, here's the reality in all of this. Here's the reality. Uh, all of us forget. All of us don't do a great job of reminding ourselves. All of us have written other things on the tablets of our heart. We keep God out. We keep Jesus out. So this morning, we remember the gospel. Because if you reread these verses, you can see Jesus' fingerprint and life in each of these. You see in verse 1, we remember that Jesus is the, was the only true and faithful son. We see in verse 4 that he was the only one who kept perfect love and faithfulness and, and, and won us favor and a good name. And we remember that Jesus writes the truth for us on our hearts. Um, and he experienced the crookedness of our ways, our foolishness, so that our paths might be made straight. 
And he did this all in the sight of others, adorning his love, not only for us around his neck, but even in his pierced hands. So if this is God, and this is what he has done for you and for me, the wisest thing we can do is trust him. The wisest thing we can do is lean into him, yes, each in, in each and every area of our life. Um, this is a struggle, and but where this is a struggle, he is loving and faithful to help us. Number one, to send his forgiveness, but number two, to not leave us there, to pursue us and try to give us the wisdom that we need, his wisdom, even as he calls us to live the life he calls us to live. So how can you trust him today? How can you become more wise in any number of, in any n- number of these ways, how can you surround yourself with wise people? Who sits at your, at your wisdom table? How might you remind yourself of his wise words? What are some habits and practices you can put, about, uh, put around you about being in God's word? How can you commit yourself to his wise practices, living them out even when it's uncomfortable? And how might you surrender yourself to him and his good ways? Let's pray. Father, is that, Father we just... Thank you for your wisdom here. We thank you for your truth here that helps us see you more clearly. Not just what you call us into, but who you are and what you've done for us. So we just stop and we say thank you. And actually, while we're praying with, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you've not received what Jesus has done for you on the cross, dying on the cross for your sins, and the Father raising him to life on the third day, that you would have life in him if you would receive him, put your trust in him. I want to give you that opportunity to do that today. And you can do that just by saying to him here now in your spirit, Father, I trust you for what you've done for me on the cross. And I receive the life that you gave me in what Jesus did. And if that's you and you want to receive him today, I, I just encourage you, with, again, with, the, with uh, the privacy of the heads, clo- uh, heads bowed and eyes closed, you can raise your hand. I will see it and pray for you. More importantly, God will see uh, what's happened in your heart. But I'll, I'll pray for you now. If you'd like to receive what Jesus has done for you, you can raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Yes, I see that hand. It says that whoever believes in Jesus, those who receive him will receive the right to become his children. You can receive him today. Any other hands? Father, we pray for this individual who has raised his hand, wanting to receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection that he can receive, based on nothing that he can do, but based fully on what you've done for him. Would you receive him now as your son? And Father, each of us as your children, we come to you now and say, boy, we don't get it right more times than not, this wisdom. So Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. But Father, would you help us become more wise? that we would bring you glory, we'd bring you praise, and we'd help others see your wisdom for them. We love you, Father, and we, we were so thankful that you help us in all these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.